Thank you, Todd and team. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Worship. Welcome, everybody, either to live or live stream, wherever you are watching this. We really appreciate you being here. And wow, what a difference uh, a, a curtain makes, huh? Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you to the Polsons, uh, Andrew and Kim, for making that happen. And, and wow, I was just looking at the online through the, the cameras, which... Uh, uh, Rob was showing me, and I just couldn't believe the difference. It's just, just beautiful. And uh, thank you, uh, everybody, uh, all the team, Rob and his whole team that rearranged everything. It's looking more and more like a church every time, right? So it's awesome. And uh, so <clears throat> uh, speaking of welcome, though, I have to give a special shout-out. I was at the soccer field this week. I ran into somebody from Indiana, Indiana, and he's like, I, I watch you every week. Uh, Ed Ed Hogan, Ed Hogan, Ed, I'm guessing you're watching this live with with the fam, so just, uh, it was great meeting you, and and such a blessing to hear in their story, God's working in Indiana, some powerful things happening, really exciting, so Ed, wanted to give you a shout out, and look forward to seeing you at another game soon, I'm thinking you'll be here a few more weeks, Uh, also next week, Paul Vandervliet will be preaching, so uh, be ready for, uh, back by popular demand, Paul will be preaching, and also tonight, uh, Home Fellowship, Kim and I, we have this uh, revelation study, and so tonight, uh, if anybody would like to be part of our home fellowship, we do the second and fourth Sunday of every month, and we're kicking off September. We're on Revelation 11. You missed a little bit. You won't. You won't. It's awesome, right? Where was my guys from that group? Right? You're not. You're gonna wanna. You're, you can jump in on Revelation 11. It's awesome. All right. So the kids can head out to Children's Church. I see them making their escape now. And everybody else can turn in their Bibles to Acts chapter 8. If you're using the Bibles you got on, got on the way in, it's page 915. Otherwise, you're going to have to find it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Okay? The title, <clears throat> the title for today is Make the Break. Make the Break. Acts 8, 4 through 25. And speaking of a break... I finally caught a break with my eyes, all right? I went this Friday, and I'm 20-20 in my right eye. <clears throat> oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so I'm getting the other one done on October 14th, and we're praying already. Start praying for, right away for that one, right? But remember when we prayed, everybody came up and prayed for me, and, and we were, like, trying to figure out, well, it wasn't healed, was expecting it. Yeah, I kept doing this, you know, trying to see, and it wasn't. But God did heal in his time, but now I, now I can see his purpose, right? We can see his purpose because having to wait that long, uh, my, I realized that my brain was more flexible than I thought it was. And so they're going to actually put a different lens than the other eye, a reading lens. So I'm going to have a reading lens in this one and a distance one in this one. And I should be able to function without glasses. Now, I probably will wear them just to see a little better. But uh, I will be able to function. Let's say I couldn't get to an eye doctor for some reason. Oink, oink, right? You know, what's coming you know, down the tube here in Revelation, right? But, but I will be able to function without glasses. And so that was, I just see God's purpose in it. Very, very thankful for that. We don't often see we don't often see what God is doing until later, do we? Sometimes we're going to some things we're going to have to wait till we get to heaven to really see what he was doing. But a lot of times we can see later what he's doing. That's why we have to wait in faith. We wait in faith when we're perplexed. Anybody here perplexed? Anybody perplexed? All right. So uh, <laughs> we all are right. Two hands. Right. Uh, perplexed. But that's why we wait in faith. When we're perplexed. And we saw last time in Acts chapter 8 that the Christians had caught a, a disease called koinonitis. Remember koinonitis? Koinonia fellowship. They caught koinonitis. They got too comfortable. They God, And so God had to send something to get them to fulfill their purpose. He sent persecution, positive persecution. And I'm sure they were perplexed when they got hit with the persecution, right? Had to be perplexed. Stephen Stone, persecution breaks out. They're being hunted. But God had a purpose. It was to fulfill Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which was the last things that Jesus said to apostles. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. But they were stuck in Jerusalem. They didn't, they didn't start fulfilling the rest of that commission they were given. And then we saw last week in Acts Acts chapter 8, verse 4, after the persecution hit, they finally did it. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, what said, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So finally, the commission is being fulfilled, and and that's how God works. He he gets us where he wants us. My dad was 
talking to me about this sermon, sent me an email about it when he watched it last week. And he said, uh, that's what I used to teach in, in Sunday school class. He taught Sunday school for 25 years. My mom and dad taught Sunday school for 25 years. I think they taught fifth grade, you know, that easy grade. And, uh, and, they, but, uh, and, and so I, I remember being in his class. It was very entertaining. My dad, dad was very entertaining. And he said, I used to use shooting marbles in the Sunday school class, which I didn't remember so long ago. But used to do shooting marbles in class to, sh- to teach what you just taught in Acts chapter 8. That God, you remember marbles? Anybody here ever shoot marbles? A few people, yeah, some. And it was a big deal having marbles. You wanted to have a big jar of marbles or a sack of marbles. And you would go and compete with other, other kids for the marbles. And you'd draw a circle in the dirt, remember? Or, or a piece of chalk on the sidewalk. And then you'd put, every, you'd put everybody put 10 marbles inside of that or whatever it was you put the marbles in and then you take marbles and you shoot them and try to knock the marbles out and whatever got knocked out you got to keep and the whole competition was to try to get more marbles right and that was a uh, this is before the internet before computer games anyway uh video games right so this was fun at one time but anyway uh, <laughs> we should go back to it but anyway uh, but my dad was saying he would teach you that when you shoot the marble in it would knock it out and that's what god does with us he shoots the marble and it's very uncomfortable and, oh what was that you know but we get pushed to where he wants us we get pushed to where he wants us god has to knock us out of our comfort zone to where he wants us so we can fill our, fulfill our full purpose, his purpose for our lives. In fact, I just saw the, on the back table, there was still one more magnet from a couple years ago. Life begins where your comfort zone ends. Do you remember that one? Life begins on our fridge, too. If you don't have one, there's one left back there. Uh, life begins where your comfort zone ends. And I look at that all the time, and it reminds me of that. And today, we're going to see a key marble knocked out of Jerusalem. A key marble knocked out Deacon Philip. The Deacon Philip is knocked out, and there's some really important lessons for us in this, this marble shot that God uses to, to send De- Deacon Philip on his way. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for every person who is here today or watching this today. We know that you have a purpose. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, whether it's our salvation, whether it's our sanctification, whatever you want to do in our life, Lord. And I just pray that we'd be willing to get knocked out of our comfort zones so that your purpose could be fulfilled in our life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we got a wild one. So uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 4, I'm going to read the uh, 4 through 8. I'm going to read first of all because we see the immediate results of positive persecution here. Verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said with shrieks. Evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. We see the immediate result of positive persecution. The God's power is unleashed through... This is not the Apostle Philip. This is the Deacon Philip. And notice that he is in Samaria. And where did we just hear Samaria? Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they, God has already started that process, moving out of the comfort zone into Samaria. And Samaria is not where most of them were probably looking to go. The Jews did not like the Samaritans. No, the Jews hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans hated the Jews. <laughs> they, they, they hated each other because the Samaritans had mixed blood. They weren't just Jewish blood. They were mixed blood because, uh, I'll just say this, racism is nothing new, right? Racism is nothing new, and it goes both ways. It goes in every direction. Every, and I've talked about this many times, every race has a racist problem. A racism problem. Every race. I've spent a lot of times with every race. They all are racist together because it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue for all of us. And we must recognize that, that we all, every race has a racist problem because there won't be any real healing until we recognize 
all of us have to deal with the heart issue, and the church has to start it. It has to start with Christians and the church. We're the ones who can bring that healing. So the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. The Samaritans had mixed blood because remember when Israel and the ten tribes were invaded by the Assyrians, the Assyrians invaded them. The Babylonians got Judah, right? But the, the, the Assyrians got them, and the Assyrians had this plan. They, in order to break down people's uh, resistance to their ruling, they would bring in different nations and mix them together. And, and they would mix them together, and that's how they, they would try to encourage them to intermarry. Picture there, right? Intermarriage with the world. They tried to get them to intermarry, which they did. The Samaritans fell for that trick. They compromised. They ended up with mixed blood. But the real issue, and this is why God said don't do it, the real issue was not the mixed blood. It was the mixed religious, right? The mixed religion. The real tragedy, which was this government's whole goal, the government's whole goal with Israel when they conquered Israel, they ended up with mixed religion, mixed religion. That's what they did. They, They kept Jehovah, but they worshiped idols too. That was the whole goal of the government at that time. Want to mix them up, you know. You can still worship your God, but you got to worship everybody else too. And they pressured them to see all gods as equal. Boy, does that sound familiar? Didn't start with the USA Today, did it? Uh, they, and they bought the lie. The, 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 the ten tribes, Israel, bought the lie. They, they mixed, intermarried with the world, and they also accepted all the idols and they kept worshiping jehovah but they worshiped the idols at the same time they all got mixed together do we see the same thing happening they in many churches and christians in the usa today do we see that happening you better believe it only six percent of of americans have a biblical world view only six percent now at least half or 60 70 percent claim to be christian but only six percent have a biblical worldview. They believe Jesus was the Son of God. They believe He's the only way. They believe, you know, uh, the virgin birth. Only 6% of Christians, oh, I'm saying only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. That tells you that we have bought the lie, the syncretism lie. We've done fallen for the same thing that Israel. And, and, even, and this is even worse. Among born-again Christians, I talked about this a couple of times already, among born-again Christians for ages 40 and under, born again, ages 40 and under, 60% believe that Jesus is not the only way you can get to God through Buddha, through Muhammad, through anybody else. You can get there. Uh, Jesus is just a way, not the only way. 60% of born-again Christians under the age of 40. What does that tell us? They're not born-again Christians. Because you must believe. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is, that, you can't separate it. But that's because the church and the Christians in America have bought the lies. They've, they've bought the lies. And the Samaritans now are mixed up. They have mixed blood. They're mixed up. And yet that's exactly where the Holy Spirit sends Deacon Philip to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just like he sends us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in our mixed up world, right? He's sending us to do that. And he sends them to it. And right away, as soon as Philip gets there, we see amazing things happen, right? Amazing things happen. But we also see spiritual warfare kick up. And let's read this now. Verse 9. Look at the warfare that hits as soon as they start to respond to the gospel. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. 
When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy this gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Wow. Let's, let's unpack this one. Whenever we enter the Satan's stronghold and begin to see results, Satan will attack. We've talked about this many times. He will try a, a, an outward attack, and if that doesn't work, he tries the sneak attack. Right? And we've talked about this many times. He tries the sneak attack. And we, we have to expect the attacks. And we see this sneak attack from the, from the inside. It wasn't from the outside. It wasn't persecution. It was someone who claimed they were a Christian. And, and, we see, and, and they, Satan tried to bring in deception through that person. And this is always more dangerous, isn't it? Way more dangerous. Look at the church history. What happened to the church when, when it became the, 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 the official church of the Roman Empire? And look what happened to the church. It, it, when the attacks from the inside are always far, far more dangerous. I remember when we started our church, remember? Some of us were here 21 years ago, all right, and uh, we, we were, I remember when we did that, they, we got all these outward attacks. Remember, we had to have policemen in the service for, uh, for three months. Remember, they were, I could always count on the policemen. Not all of you were there every week, but the policemen were there, all right, and we, they were there, <clears throat> but that, that didn't work, and actually the community started to support us, got behind us. It was just beautiful. Uh, many of the former attackers became our good friends. It was, it was awesome to see, but... So Satan tried another attack. He tried to use a believer, someone within our church, to speak deception. It was a demonic attack. And I'll never forget it. Finally, I just had, I just had a leading that something wasn't right, that Satan was at work, that something was going on. And I finally talked to one person, and they cracked. They said, yeah. This person has been talking and they're spreading lies. They don't say anything specific. They just said that something's, Pastor Chuck's into something really bad and I can't tell you what it is. But you're the only one I'm telling. Some of you are nodding your heads because you remember her calling you, right? You're the only one, but I respect you. So I'm telling you, Pastor Chuck, I can't tell you what it is, but it's really bad, you know? And, uh, and, uh, woo. And, and so I, the person cracked and said, yeah, this is what this, this person said. And I said, ah. So I started calling people in our church families. I got to 10 families that she had done the same thing. And they were shaken. People were like, I was really shaken up. I, I didn't think you were doing anything bad, but she wouldn't tell me what it was. So I, all kinds of things were running through my head, you know. But, but it, turned, it was just, it was, um, I don't want to get into what she was, what she was trying to get at. But, but it, it had to do with money and all, all this other stuff. But I'll never forget, I confronted her and I said, listen, I, 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 you, are, you are spreading slander and lies and Satan is using you to try to destroy our new church. New church. She says, I'm not doing anything. And I said, well, let me tell you something. This is what you're saying. You're the only one I tell and I can trust you and I respect you. But Pastor John, I went through the whole spiel. She goes, she was stunned. I go, and I know you've told at least 10 people. And I went down the list of people she told. She goes, you know what she said? Well, aren't you the detective? <laughs> well, aren't you the detective? Didn't repent. Didn't. So bitter. The bitterness was so deep. The demonic deception. It was demonic, let me tell you. She just said, aren't you the detective? And I said, I'm going to call you in before the elders, and we're going to have this out. And she said, no, we're gone. And they disappeared. And not far enough. But anyway, uh, the, <clears throat> but, but that almost destroyed our church. If the Holy Spirit hadn't exposed that, that could have destroyed our fledging church, our new church. That's what happens. Satan will try the inside attack, inside attack. And Simon the sorcerer was Satan's tool. Just like this woman, Satan the sorcerer was a tool. And many sorcerers, so many people are enamored with sorcery today. The USA is overflowed with it. Uh, Harry Potter, you know, Harry Potter, so popular, sadly, even with many 
Christians that, that, are, that are real positive with Harry Potter. Listen, and they say, why, but Chuck, why are you so uptight about it? Because sorcery is demonic. Read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. Sorcery is demonic. And look what Harry Potter has done. It softened a whole generation of kids, including many Christians, up for sorcery. It's, it softened them up. And I've seen kids, uh, story after story, kids get caught up in that. And the next thing you know, they're slipping away spiritually. It's demonic. It's demonic. It softened the kids up for, de- for deception. So back to Simon uh, the sorcerer. He converts along with many other converts. Look at verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Even he apparently converted, right? Put his faith in Christ. But notice what he was so impressed with. What was Simon, the former sorcerer, so impressed with? It was the miracles. He's obsessed with the miracles, and that is a red flag. Then and now, in the USA today, in the churches and the, you know, the churches that are obsessed with miracles, that is a red flag. And then the apostles, though, send Peter and John, verse 14. They sent the, the big guns. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This is what is known in the book of Acts as the Samaritan Pentecost. Just as the Jews had a Pentecost, the Samaritans now have a Pentecost, when, when we, we see that the, the Holy Spirit, uh, these, even these mixed up Samaritans, right, also receive the Holy Spirit by putting their faith in Christ. The apostles make clear that they receive the same Holy Spirit. Later in Acts, we're going to see the Gentile Pentecost. We're going to see the Jews, the Samaritans, and then the Gentiles, the different Pentecosts for each one of them. Uh, the Holy Spirit is what is doing what? He's giving visible proof. The fact that we all, Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles, all receive the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, and we receive him when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, as we see many times throughout the Scripture. But these were three key times of Pentecost to show that each group receives the Holy Spirit. Three times it happened in the book of Acts, okay, Uh, with these different groups, okay. So, Exciting. This is very exciting, but as soon as the Holy Spirit moves in power, Satan tries to muddy the water immediately. Look at verse 18. Immediately Satan does this. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so then Peter g- gently responds and taps dances around Simon the sorcerer's request and he just makes sure he didn't hurt his feelings and he uh, not (laughs) verse 20 that's what we're taught in seminary verse 20 church growth groups you know conferences uh, Willow Creek seeker sensitive you know stupid sensitive verse 20 Peter answered May your money perish with you because you have thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps we will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Listen, you don't mess around with false teaching and false teachers. You don't mess around. You don't hang around. You don't mess around. The Bible is very, very clear over and over that you warn them. You rebuke them, you admonish them if they're a believer, and then you avoid them if they don't respond. That is the New Testament picture of how you handle false teaching. Some people say, why do you get so upset about false teaching, Pastor? Because that's because I see the damage of it. It's destroying the church in the USA today. It's permeated the church. False teaching. Evangelical churches permeated. Permeated. It's toxic. It's poison. It freaks me out. And look what Peter says. He says, may your money perish with you. Literally, literally in the Greek, it says to hell with you and your money. 
to hell with you and your money. How would you like it if your pastor said that to someone? I have. But anyway, uh, so, <laughs> they would be considered a really mean pastor, right? But that is how they handled the false teaching. The false teaching. The Holy Spirit, listen to me. Why would Peter say such a thing? Because the Holy Spirit will not be used or abused. The Holy Spirit will not be used or abused. And there are dangerous consequences for falling in the false teaching and, and, and abusing. Uh, second, uh, second Peter 2 2 Peter 2, verse 1, But there will also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Peter's writing this, the same guy who rebuked the sor- Simon the sorcerer. Listen to what he said. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute in their greed. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. To hell with you and your greed, Peter says. And he warns them that that's where they're headed. False teachers, I see it in the evangelical churches, these celebrity pastors with $1,000 sneakers up on stage are you kidding me we see it with with these these word of faith teachers on tv who have brought the way of truth into disrepute they've just destroyed the gospel preaching a false gospel teaching that that these word of faith guys and 90 percent of the ones on tv are these guys they they teach that just it's horrible that that all christians should be healthy and wealthy and if you're not it's because you lack faith You lack faith. And this will prove that you have faith. Send money to me. That's what they all preach. Now, first of all, it's all false. But sending the money to me, if you send money to me, it shows you have the faith. And God's going to bless you because you do that. Listen. And, And Simon is warned by Peter. Simon is warned by Peter. He seems to respond in verse 24. In verse 24, he seems to respond. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. He seemed, that sounds pretty good, right? But probably, probably he didn't repent. He was just afraid of the result. But he didn't repent. How do we know that? Because church history refers to him as the arch heretic of the church. And the the father of Gnosticism, which was the false teaching that crept in and just poisoned the church first that that John wrote about in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and, and attacking Gnosticism came through him. We know that from church history. He didn't truly repent. Was Simon the sorcerer ever really a Christian? What do you think? Tough to say, isn't it? Tough to say. But the important lesson for us, a couple of them. First one is that not everyone who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. Pretty clear, right? Matthew 7, when Jesus said, Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false teachers. I need the first slide. Watch out for false teachers for many will... Uh, oh, here we go. Oh, well, oh, sorry. I'm trying to... It's blurring a couple of verses. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves verse 20 thus by their fruit you will recognize them by the fruit it's not what they say it's not what they teach not how big their church is none of that it's by their fruit you will recognize them and it's not just the teachers listen to verse 21 not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform any miracles then i will tell them plainly i never knew you away from you evil doers does that scare you It should scare us, right? It should scare us. It should really make us really think. We are seeing this very thing in the USA today. God is separating the, the, the sheep from the goats. He's separating the wheat from the weeds. With Christians and churches and pastors, they are, we are seeing the separation. Seeing the separation. God is separating the true from the false. 
And it's, it's heartbreaking, but it has to happen because God is come, Jesus is coming back for his holy bride, Revelation 19. Holy bride. He's not coming back for a prostitute. He's coming back for his holy bride. And another vital lesson, another vital lesson, not only, not everyone who claims to be a Christian is real, but another vital lesson is this. Be careful. Let's say you really was a Christian. This is our lesson. Be careful. Be careful. It's easy to fall back into old sins and strongholds. Let's say he really was 50-50. It's so easy to fall back into old sins and old strongholds. Let's assume for a moment that, the whole, that Simon the sorcerer really did put his faith in Jesus Christ. Then what happened to him is a vivid reminder for every one of us. Me, you, every one of us. A vivid reminder For each of us, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I believe he died on the cross for me. I repent of my old life. I put my faith in him for my forgiveness. I give my life to Jesus. The moment you do that, the moment you do that, we then must, the very next thing is we must make a break. That's why I call this make the break. We must make a break from our old life. Very, very important. If we don't make the break with our old life, it will end up pulling us back down. Remember back when we did the book of Joshua and I went back to Numbers 33 and I'm going to read it again. In Numbers 33, listen to this verse 51. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into Canaan, salvation, drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all their carved images and their cast idols and demolish all their high places. Did we see that? Drive them out, destroy and, and uh, take, uh, demolish. Take possession of the land and settle in it, for I've given you the land to possess. But, verse 55, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs in your eyes and thorns in your side. They will give you trouble in the land where you will live, and then I will do to you what I plan to do to them. Wow. Wow. We must make the break. Look what what, what is here. The people... The places and the thing that can pull us down, that can tempt us, that can cause us to fall. We must make the break. Simon may very well have been sincere, but he fell back into old habits, old ruts, old strongholds in our life. And that's why it's vital. After salvation, we must then reach for our sanctification. Sanctification it has to happen. That's what Hebrews 12, 1 is talking about when he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Sanctification. We're saved, but now we have to be sanctified. That sanctification is so important. That's why we have groups like Celebrate Recovery that meets every week to help people break those 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 strongholds. That's why we have a men's purity group. That's why we have a women's Bible study. That's why we have Christian counseling that we encourage. That's why we use the book Victory Over the Darkness and and search for significance and and take people through one on one and and disciple them through that so that we can break the the the, the what entangles us is very very important. We all come from brokenness, don't we? If we didn't, we wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need the blood of Jesus Christ. We wouldn't need the cross. We all come from brokenness, broken backgrounds, which lead us vulnerable. Are you vulnerable? You join the club. Welcome to the human race. You know, we're vulnerable. And that's what that's what Paul was talking about in First Corinthians six, nine to eleven, when he said, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. We all were. We could add to that, couldn't we? 
But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We all are broken. We are all vulnerable. We've all come from something that we've, we've opened up doors. We have weaknesses. Then that's why we need God's mercy and grace and we need to get our healing. We need to get work to our sanctification. We, very, very important that we, we understand that and we do that. It's like we all, I use this example a lot, it's like we have spiritual hernias and Anybody ever have a hernia surgery? Yeah, I've had three of them. Yeah, both sides and the belly button. I, I, I'm, I'm the third Adam. No belly button anymore. I'm the third Adam. Anyway, uh, Jesus was the second one. I can't claim second. Okay, so so <clears throat> the hernia. You are born with a weakness. This is what they think. You're born with that weakness, but then something triggers it. Something sets off that hernia okay and and you could be born with a weakness but never have never lift anything too heavy or never do something that will rupture that but 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 it can rupture at any time and spiritually we are the same we all have the sin nature we're born with it we we are vulnerable we have emotional things that happen to us we're upbringing trauma happens to us we have spiritual weaknesses in our in our in our in our in our armor right in our armor, and we are vulnerable, and something can set that off, can rupture that. Some temptation, something happens to us, you, you fill in the blanks. A lot of us have experienced, we all have experienced, something can rupture us. And not only that, but Satan knows our weakness, and he tries to trigger those, doesn't he? He puts something in our path, he tries to trigger, because he can't get to us, he can just trigger us to do something. And he tries to trigger that. And that's why so often I see somebody who gets saved and they're on fire. They're witnessing. They're growing spiritually. It's so encouraging. We're so happy. And all of a sudden I start to see them slip, slip, drip, 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 slip, slip, slip. And all of a sudden they crash. They fall. Many times, heartbreakingly, they disappear. I, I see it. Sometimes it's drugs or, or some, some guy, I remember he, was on, he used to smoke so much pot and, and he realized what a stupid thing it was, sinful, and, and what it was doing to him. And he was free for many, many years. He used to counsel people in our church. Kids, don't take pot. Send them to me. I'll tell them how stupid it is. I don't care if it's legal or not. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's a stronghold. And then all of a sudden he started changing. And all of a sudden he started being okay with it. Like, what? And I had to admonish and he disappeared. Disappeared. Slipped away. Slipped away. Uh, I, the same thing happens with alcohol. People who, oh, I could just, listen, we know it's, it's not wrong to drink a glass of wine at dinner or something. We know biblically it's not wrong. But unfortunately, in our society, it's a stronghold. It's an addiction. We're a nation of alcoholics. If you don't believe me, come out, walk through my neighborhood uh, on, a, on a Friday night, you know. It's crazy. It, it, but so people, they'll, they'll say uh, they know it's pulling them down and, and hurting them. And, and if I could just use the magic and make it disappear, like sword, Simon the Sorcerer, make it disappear, I would. Because alcohol, 90% of the bad things that have happened in our church, people who really crashed and hurt themselves, 90% of it's alcohol-related. It's unbelievable. I just, just, I just, it's just heartbreaking. But I've seen people, I'm not going to drink, and they get, they were alcoholics, and, or they just were functional, functional alcoholics, or they, whatever, they, they give it up, and then over time they slip, and then I see them now, they've moved away, and I see them on Facebook drinking, I'm like, I know where they are now. I know where they are, and I know they don't go to church anymore. I know. I know. It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. The same with sexual sin. Uh, so many of us come from uh, backgrounds of sexual sin. Uh, some of you from homosexuality. A uh, good number of us from homosexuality here in the church. Uh, a lot of people have shared stuff with me about this uh, that none of you even know. You'd be shocked that you know, you know. Some churches they make you know put down homo. Well, I'm a heterosexual sinner. I'm not a homosexual sinner. They judge them. Listen, it's no different. That's whenever I preach, I hit them all at the same time. It's no different. And, you know, in our church, people get up front and say right up front, you know, what their sexual struggles are, even homosexual struggles. There's a good number of people in our church have been healed from that and come out of that. It's awesome. 
It's awesome. And, and, and it doesn't matter if, if my sin is this and theirs is that. It's the same thing in God's sight, right? Same thing. A lot more warnings against you know, sexual sin than there is against homosexuality, right? And, but I've seen people get free and living free and share testimonies and be in ministry and, and all kinds of sexual sins and then slip back. Slip back and they no longer come here because they're back in the old sinful life. Heterosexual, homosexual, doesn't matter. They're in sin. They, they've gone back to it. And, well, and let's not just pick on these big, big three, big four, whatever I got here. Uh, let's not forget gluttony. Gluttony is very damaging. We don't talk about it, but it's very damaging spiritually. Uh, let's. And it doesn't matter how heavy or thin we are, gluttony is gluttony, right? Let's not forget gossip. Now we're getting to the nitty-gritty. Now we're getting all of us, aren't I? Gossip, it's so hard. It's It's the accepted sin in the church, right? Accepted. The gossip, but the damage that gossip does. Listen, church splits don't happen because of homosexuality. <laughs> church splits happen because of gossip. The vast majority aren't because somebody uses drugs. It's because of gossip. That's what's destroyed more churches than I can count. You know, it's gossip and it destroys families. And it does so much. And, and let's not forget bitterness. It often drives it. Bitterness, a bitter spirit. That's why, that's why in Hebrews it says, uh, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no one, uh, oh, I got him at the block. No one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The bitter root that causes. Think of your families. Think of churches. Think of teams. Think of schools. Think of any any workplace think of it and think of what bitterness does and we all struggle with bitterness don't we that bitter root you got to pull it up or it will destroy your relationships bitterness and 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 one last one i've seen oh i've seen damage and one last one i'm gonna say i'm gonna say call this one uh codependence that's when someone gets in bad relationships over and over again and, and instead of having a codependence with God, which is healthy, they get codependence with relationships. And I see it. You know, a girl who just keeps dating guys, looking to fill that hole there, and they, she keeps dating guys and sleeping with guys, you know. Or, you know, or the, a guy who just keeps marrying another person, divorced and marrying another person, divorced, even though it's sinful. And they're not, these people, they, they'll actually, when I confront them, say, you can't sleep with this person you can't marry this person enough you know and they they leave they're gone people who were following jesus with them gone it's heartbreaking but the point is we have to get our healing we have to go from salvation to sanctification we have to get our healing and pull those roots up and and deal with them i was watching a military history i love watching military history channel and they they showed uh dog fights they were showing the the jets fighting over Korea during the Korean War, and I uh, got some. I got at least one Korean veteran here, uh, Pop Pop Heath. And but you remember them fighting? Oh, those guys fighting over Korea. I watch them, and it's just amazing watching the the fighting. But there was one crazy story I'll never forget. There's two plane, American planes, and they were fighting the, I think the MiGs, MiGs, they were fighting the, the Russian-made uh, planes, and they, were, they shot on a bunch. They did, it was amazing, and the, the kill rate was crazy. But, but one of the U.S. jets got shot up pretty bad, and his fuel was leaking. He was running out of fuel, and they were turning to go back to the base, but they, they, he, the guy who was losing fuel said, I don't have enough fuel. I'm not going to go. I'm going to have to crash. Go without me. His buddy, who was telling the story, we were watching it, his buddy did something that had never done done before. He put his jet underneath the shot-up jet, his buddy, and let him rest on him and carried him. Carried him. Kept him from crashing. And then he got as far as the, the there was the, the sea, whatever sea it was. You have to ask 
pop what that sea was there. But he was getting back and he got away from the, the, the enemy territory and he got over the ocean where he knew it was safe and he eased away and said, okay, go ahead and eject. It's safe. Now the boats are going to be here. You know, I just radio in. The boats are coming any minute. Go ahead and eject. Get out. So he, the, the, the buddy he saved ejected out, parachuted down into the waters, and the boats were coming. They were just going to be there in just a few moments. It was all good. But he got tangled up in the parachute. And when they got to him, he was drowned. After all that, The guy telling the story was still teared up. His good buddy tangled up in that parachute and died. It's sad, really sad, but I even more tragic. It's the same thing happens to so many of us. So many of us. Jesus saves us. He saves us. We're all shot up. We're going to crash. And he saves us. He carries us. He brings us to a good place. Sets us down in a good place. But then we get pulled down and drown spiritually, don't we? Don't we see it all the time? And we all experienced it. Don't we see it all the time? We get pulled down and drowned. And that's why Hebrews 12, we can't stop with verse 1, where it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Who for, thank you, I had, a, I had a mental stop there. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So important to, to persevere and to break free and to keep our eyes on Jesus. So vital. Are you breaking free today? Are you breaking free or are you all tangled up? What specific steps will you take? It's known as what specific steps will you take to get free, to break free, to make the break? Maybe you need to break with a person. Maybe you need to break with a place. Maybe you need to break with a thing like we saw in numbers there. And, and maybe you need help breaking. What person or group will you turn to to help you make this break? You, and it might never end. We might need to have a lifelong of accountability and encouragement from a, a Christian brother or sister or from a group or from a counselor. For, we might need constant, constant. That's okay because we're vulnerable. But what specific step will you take? And as we go to prayer, maybe you need to take the first step, the step of faith. Maybe you need to be set free. You've never been saved. You're that plane going down. You're going to crash. You need to put your faith in Jesus to come up and carry you through this life and into eternal life. And you need to be forgiven and given real life. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you taken that first step of faith in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? I've got a long list. I don't know about you, but I have a long list. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, and today the Holy Spirit is drawing you, pulling you, and today's the day that you are saved. You're ready to crash, and God, you're ready to crash in every way. Spiritually especially, but Jesus is offering to come under and take you if you will put your trust in him. If you will set your plane down on top of his plane, put your trust in him, give your life to him. Are you ready to do that right now? The prayer of faith, God, I repent of my old life. I repent of my sin. I repent of the garbage, the shame. I ask you to forgive me. 
because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Your one and only son, Jesus, who died on the cross for me, who rose from the dead for me, I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. I want the life you want for me. I want my new life. I put my faith in Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, (laughs) you're in for the shock of your life because the Holy Spirit that we see in the book of Acts is now inside of you, indwelling you, transforming you into a new creation. You'll never be the same. You won't believe the conscience that you have now. It's the Holy Spirit. You won't believe the thoughts that come into your head. Conviction and encouragement. That's the Holy Spirit. You won't believe that how the Bible will be alive when you read it now. It will explode off the page. That's the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've put your faith in Jesus. You've given your life to him. Let somebody know. Maybe you're here. Family member, friend. Maybe you have a work colleague. Someone. Let somebody know. Today, if possible. And if you're here, tell me on the way out. Tell somebody. So we can be excited for you and and, and help you grow. For those of us who are already Christian, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What do we need to get untangled from? What sin, what stronghold, what, what spiritual hernia do we need to get our healing? Would you commit to a specific step, a specific action? God, I will talk to Pastor Chucker Cam. I will talk to this Christian brother or sister, find someone I can trust. I will talk to them. I will join this group. I will get my healing. I'll go to Christian counseling. Something specific that you will do to make the break. To reach your sanctification. To get your healing. Father, we pray for your mercy and grace that we would turn to you and turn to your rescue jets in our life, the people in our life that are there. And I pray that we would all be looking to help others that are struggling, not judging them, but looking to, to help them, to extend grace, to be vessels of grace, whatever their struggle is. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.